Okay, shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come to you through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We pray, Father God, that you will help us today by your Spirit to receive the Word, the fruit of your Holy Word, to take your truth and please plant it deep in us. Shape us and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ might be seen today. We ask this for your church and the glory of your Son. Amen. That is a good thing to do. That is a good thing to do. Do you remember the last time someone said that to you? Or the last time you said that to someone? That is a good thing to do. It's a common phrase. Good on you. That is a good thing to do. I wish you all the best. Keep in touch, okay? Say to a colleague who decided to resign and go to Cambodia and build schools. It's a good thing to do. Just do it. Don't look back. Say to a friend in Queenstown, New Zealand, at the bungee bridge. Trust me. All my sources are saying it's a good thing to do. A property agent said to his client about investing in Kajang. Listen to me, children. This is a good thing to do. No, that wasn't PAP government addressing Singaporeans in the latest election rally. It was the Chinese father's advice to his children about his career choice at the end of kindergarten. You get the picture. In many different life situations, we find ourselves affirming, advising, or sometimes even convincing those around us whether the things that they are doing or will do is a good or a bad thing to do with their lives. This morning, we will again meet Kohelet, someone who is very down-to-earth, someone who confronts the issues of life that you and I face every day, who takes seriously the things that we say, the things that we do every day, but without much reflection. That is a good thing to do. Today, Kohalat wants to talk to us about this common phrase. Because behind this phrase lies an assumption. And the assumption is that We know. We know what is a good thing to do. And Kohelet responds by asking, Really? Do you know what is the good thing to do? Can we talk about it, please? And he's going to talk about that and think about that with us today. He begins in verse 10. Take a look. Whatever has come to be has already been named. There are just few words there. But these few words are intended to bring to mind what some of the big ideas that Kohelet has been bounding and drilling into us for the past few weeks already. For if you take a look back in chapter 1 verse 9, Kohelet already already made a similar statement. He began his poem in verse 4 saying, 
go there. Verse 4, he says, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And then he ended off his poem in verse 9, What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. The point is, despite the cycles of generation replacing another, decades after decades, centuries come, centuries goes, the basic reality about humanity remains unchanged. What has been is what will be. He's not referring to bell bottom or love for food. We'll find out what it is later. Then he said, in chapter, he said it again in chapter 3, verse 15, the same thing. This time, he concludes his poem in chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. That which is, already has been. That which is to be, already has been. Here he's making a statement about the unchanging reality of death. His poem has already reminded us, yes, there is a time to be born, but there is also a time to die. Yes, there is a time to dance and laugh, but there is also a time to mourn and weep. We saw that a couple of weeks ago with Brian. So now in chapter 6, verse 10, by making a quick reference to his two previous poems, he's reminding us the take-home message. That is, the unpleasant reality that death is certain. Everyone dies. A few weeks back in chapter 2, verse 16, he says, How the wise dies just like the fool. Harvard or Cambridge, UPM or UKM, all dies. Last week, we saw, die with ten toys, die with one toy, still dies. In a nutshell, Kohala is essentially saying, remember this very basic reality about human being, which I have painstakingly woken you up to see, that everyone dies. Next, Knowing that you and I, as human beings, will struggle to swallow this bitter pill of truth, that we will be rushing to Mega Mall to buy the latest anti-aging cream by SK2 or Maybelline, including the men, Kohalas decided to be kind to us and give us another slap on the face to wake us up even more. Verse 10. And it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. That is, not only is death an unchanging reality that has been observed for generations and generations that everyone dies, death is also an unchangeable reality. It is known what man is. Man is man. Man is man. He can't change what only God can. We can try until the cows come home to change this reality, which we have been trying and failing. But verse 11, the more words, the more vanity. And what is the profit to man? The more you try, the more you're wasting your time. Maybelline is and will always be make-believe. Hope I don't get sued for that, but that is the truth. In two short verses, the down-to-earth Kohalath has again brought us back to reality. 
He says no more dreaming, no more fantasy, no more avatar. Wake up and see yourself for who you really are. Man. Mortal man, remember? We will die and you can't do anything to change him. No amount of money, no amount of wisdom, no amount of power can change that. Having reminded us of this reality, he now asked the big question. Verse 12. He might be anticipating a humanist response for what he has just said, maybe saying, Fine, Kohalas, I know that I'm going to die, but I still have a few years of life, don't I? I'm going to spend it the best way that, it's going, uh, that it can be spent. I'm going to do what is good. I'm going to make the world a better place with these few days that I have. But verse 12, Kohalas is again honest and brutal. He says, I'm sorry, but who knows what is good for man while he leaves the few days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow. You say you know what is good to do, but how do you know that it is good? That's what he's asking. Verse 12, For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? That is, who knows what will happen to this world, in this world, after you die? Yes, you won a Nobel Prize for discovering nuclear fusion. Everyone said it was a good thing to do. But after you die, it was used intentionally to destroy 200,000 over lives. It was a good thing to do. Yes, the plants that you built provided jobs for the people. Everyone said that it was a good thing to do. And yes, the standard of living of the village has improved. But after you die, babies were born with defects. People are dying of cancers. It was a good thing to do. The point is, no one can say to himself or to another what is definitely and ultimately good. Because in order to say that, he must be able to look far enough into the future beyond the limits of his own life. Your life, though it seems to be long, in reality passes like a shadow, he says. It is only a few days compared to the entire span of human history. And yet, you and I, dare to say with our so limited life experience that something is good to do? How do you know what you think is good now is good after all in 20, 50, 100 years' time? Imagine a dying soldier saying to you, it's okay that I sacrifice. It's okay that I die. So long as I know that it is worthwhile. That it contributed to a greater good. You have that in Lamis, right? But friends, as much as you and I would like to say to this dying man what he wants to hear, we can't unless we lie. Because you and I don't and can't know if it was ultimately worthwhile. If it will contribute to a greater good. We don't. 
By now, you should find that Kohelet is very irritating, don't you? <laughs> I do. Doesn't he make you think twice now before you dare to say that something is good to do? Oh, that is a good... Um, let me think about it again. We don't and we can't know what is good for man to do while he lives the few days of his life. In the next 13 verses, as you can see, Kohelet begins to speak in Proverbs, like Solomon. I think in this section, he is trying to tackle a question he knows his listeners would have. Maybe it goes something along these lines. So, Kohelet, you say we don't and we can't know what is good for man to do while he lives. I see your point and I'm almost convinced. But doesn't wisdom, general wisdom that we have, creational wisdom, teaches us what is good? We are not really as clueless as you claim, are we? For example, we do know that life is not all about pursuing great riches and luxury items. A good way to live is to live with integrity not sacrificing a good reputation in the pursuit of wealth. We know that. That is a good thing to do. But Kohelet's answer in verse 1, chapter 10. Yes, you are right in a way. A good name is better than a precious ointment. He agrees with us. Then he continues, By the way, remember also, the day of death better than the day of birth. What? Wait a minute. If death awaits everyone as we have been observing for the past few weeks, what is the point of having a good reputation? For the reputable, the wise, dies just like the fool. There is no difference. If that is the case, doesn't thinking about death better than living in denial of death? Verse 2 isn't it better then to better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting? For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of faith the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of mirth. Then you say, Ah, okay, Kohelet, I think I get you now. The day of death, better than the day of birth. Sorrow, better than laughter. I think where you are going. I think I know where you are going. The heart of the wise in the house of mourning. Heart of the fools in the house of mirth. So what you are saying is verse 5. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. Right? So in other words, you are saying the good thing for a man to do in this life is to hear the rebuke of the wise. That's a good thing to do. Now we know what's a good thing to do. But Kohala says again, verse 6, Well, you are again right in a way. For the laughter of fools is like the irritating crackling of thorns set under light under the pot. So it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the songs of fools. And by the way, verse 6, what does he say again? This is vanity. 
He has a lot of by the way, isn't it? And then verse 7, because you remember, sorry, verse 7, you must remember that even for the wise, when oppression comes, they are driven into madness. And when a bride comes along, it corrupts even the hearts of the wise. See that? So is it really good, always good, always better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wife? You are thinking twice, isn't it? Is that really a good thing to do? Friends, do you see what Kohalas is doing here? He's saying, yes, the wise, those who have wisdom, do live a better life compared to the fools in this world. Wisdom does have its advantage. Verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. The advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So Koala says, yes, I have observed the same thing that you guys have observed. That is, there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. But, verse 13, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? That is, remember the unchanging and unchangeable reality which happens to both the wise and the fool. They die. And no one can tell what will be after he dies. So again, who can say for sure what that a good name is better than precious ointment? Who can say for sure that it is always better to hear the rebuke of the wise? Yes, wisdom can tell you something about what is good for man to do, but in the face of human frailty, which we observe everywhere, all the time, for generations, you must adopt a wisdom of caution. There is no certainty. So in the end, wisdom, general wisdom, still can't get you far enough to find out what is good for man to do with a few days of his life. So we are stuck. Let us ask the question again. Do we, as a humanity, and can we ever know what is good for man to do while he lives the few days of his life? Can we say that is a good thing to do? History speaks a lot. And our history tells us that when we are left to decide what is a good thing to do, this is what we think is good. Turn with me in your Bible to Romans 1, verse 21. This is what we think is a good thing to do. Romans 1. I'll read to you.
Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, referring to humanity. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is what we think is good. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Those who have got the page, can you shout it out to help the rest? That will be great. Chapter 1, John chapter 1. Take a look at verse 9. This is what we think is good. John chapter 1, verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. This is what we think is good. And the last passage that I wanted to show you from the Bible Acts chapter 2. From John, you flip a few chapters back. John 1. One chapter, in fact. Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Last passage to show us what we think is good. Let me just read to you. Jesus of Nazareth. He is a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. And yet, what did we do? You crucified and killed with the help of wicked men. When we are left to decide what is a good thing to do, this is what we think is good. Rejecting the one who gave us life and not even a word of thanks to him, instead we crucify and we kill his only beloved son. Now, do you think man knows what is good for man to do when he lives the few days of his life? I think we are worse than clueless. We are desperately lost. So where can we go from here? Basically, two ways to live, I think. Two ways to live. First option... We can pretend that we have not heard the challenges that we have heard from Kohalas this morning about life. That is, all the down-to-earth, all the thought-provoking, all the stop-dreaming-and-come-back-to-reality talks, all of that, just let it go in from the left and then come up from the right, buy yourself a good dinner and lunch, sleep, wake up tomorrow, get back into the wheel, get busy and don't think about it anymore. That's option one. And we have been doing that. Option B, you realize that it is impossible to get rid of Kohelet in your mind. For what he say reflects so much about the perplexity of life that you face every day. He's right. He nailed it. I don't know. And I can't know what is good for me to do with the few days of my life. And more than that, I don't know what is good for mankind to do with the few days of our life. We claim that we know, but look at us. The, the fact speaks for themselves. I thought I had it all worked out, but apparently I haven't. 
Well, at first glance, option A and option B, both of them lead to the same end. Both, you still don't know what is good. But by taking option B, you have taken an important step. You have come to recognize that you don't know and you can't know. You recognize that and therefore you stop pretending to know. That's a short step, but a very crucial step. You recognize yourself for who you truly are. Mere man. Mere flesh and blood. Mortal. This is who I am. I am not Avatar. It's a simple step and we laugh, but it's such a big step that for us to take. You are not the all-knowing, all-wise God whom you always thought that you are. Effectively, you stop deluding. If that's you, let me tell you a good news. It was read to us in a New Testament reading. John 1, let me read to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of man. Light of man. Isn't that what we need? The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, the good news. The Word, this Word that I've been talking about, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Kohalath is right. We don't know. We are mere men. We are fallen men. But there is a higher throne. There is a higher throne. There is one who knows. There is one who knows it all completely. One to whom belongs all glory, all wisdom, and all power. And the good news is, this higher throne has made himself known. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, referring to no other than Jesus Christ. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 13. And coming to his hometown, there's Jesus. He came back to his hometown and he taught the people in the synagogue. And what happened to these people? They were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works from? Jesus could teach with great wisdom. Why? Because he is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. What is good for a man to do while he lives the few days of his life? Well, repent and believe in Jesus. Recognize that you don't know, but He knows. Humbly, humble yourself and pray to Him and ask Him to help you. This is the best thing that anyone could do with a few days of his life. For some of you, this may be the first time that you hear this good news. 
For others, you may already heard it before. You have repented and you have believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as your only source of wisdom. That will apply to many of us who are regulars. But over the past few weeks, or even today, as you listen to Kohelet and you reflect on your own life, you find that you have not been living as though Jesus is indeed your only source of wisdom. There are times when you have been living as though you know it all without God. You know what is good and you decide what is good without God. If that's you, the lyrics of our communion song today would be an appropriate response and a prayer to God. It says, And once again, once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I humbled, I'm humbled by the mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Recommit yourself, recommit ourselves again to God. Repent and ask God to help you by the Holy Spirit to stop being the God of your own life and to let Him be God, for He is God. For what better thing can any man do but to trust in Him who belongs all glory, all wisdom, which we don't have, but he has, and all power to trust in him whose foolishness is wiser than man and weakness is stronger than man. For the perfect man himself trusted in him even upon death, and he was fully vindicated. We can't know, but we can trust in him who knows. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you may please by your Holy Spirit open our eyes today, renew the vision of these eyes, that we may be able to see ourselves, men, as who we really are, just mere men. Renew our vision to see that there is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. So, Father, by your Spirit, please help us to stand in awe again today as we are faced with your glory, your wisdom, your power and your strength. You are the God of all creation. You are the King who reigns on high forevermore. Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.